Hello and welcome to Arrest All Mimics. My name is Ben Tallon. This is the Original Thinking and Creative Innovation Podcast. Hello everyone. How are you doing? I hope you're good. Are you feeling good? Are you feeling creative? Are you feeling fresh? I hope you're feeling fresher than I was yesterday. I had one of those sluggish, nasty Mondays when oh, you question everything. The career, life, existence itself. All the big questions whizzing around my head. And then by 11am, everything's alright. What were you worried about? But it happens, doesn't it? It happens to the best of us. I hope so anyway. Either that or I'm completely weird. Could be possible. It's been suggested. So let me know. (laughs) I hope you're good. The weather this week is off-screen beauty. We're going to be talking about that very topic with the wonderful Annie Atkins today. Yes, I'm blessed with design royalty. Once again, yeah, it's been happening a lot. Recently, I've been having some knockout guests recently to compliment the wonderful new talent that give me their time also on this show. So go back and check out the last few episodes with the brilliant Sir John Hegarty, founder of BBH, uh, founding partner with Sachi and Sachi, TBWA, an advertising giant talking absolute sense and wisdom on creativity. Go back and listen to that. Also listen to the World Illustration Awards advertising winner, Claudine O'Sullivan, who got a massive response, blown away by the figures uh, on her show, really, really well received, seems like a real early purple patch in the career of Claudine, and it's no surprise that that's happening if you heard the show, if not, shame on you, go back and check it out, it's a cracking episode, top last from Dublin, beautiful illustrations, both digital and organic, so go back and listen to that, Um, thanks to the sponsors, Pause for the cause. Um, yeah, wonderful people who keep this show free every week for you guys. Illustrationweb.com, founding sponsor, my agency, representing over 200 different artists, doing great work globally for the creative industries, uh, supporting many causes as well as representing great illustrators in fashion, alive, large scale, all sorts of, all sorts of a really big panorama of uh, creative disciplines on there now, animation, a lot of motion graphics going on. Top guys, go and check them out, illustrationweb.com, long-term supporters of the show, massively appreciated, cheers guys. Heartinternet.co.uk, looking after the tech side of things, these guys are wonderful in the search engine optimization world, something we all have to get our heads around, represented on Google and all that stuff, how you ranked, how you're coming up under your key search terms for whatever it is you do, it's important stuff nowadays, so go and check out the great work those guys are doing. Um, Printed.com, my print sponsor brilliant people they do the shows printing the graphics they do the promotional flyers my personal promo booklet that i send out to prospective clients top guys range of options i love using the recycled matte stock lovely finish really nice stuff despite my reservations about it being not as good as the non-recycled stuff so for you environmentalists out there something off your conscience if you want it that way um and i thought i'd combine the little the little story for both those people today i usually give just a little, a cool print story and a great, a good use of tech. But actually, today's guest, Annie Atkins, um, hits on a really good point, and I thought I'd tie the two in together. So she talks about when she's working on these films from various eras. She does a lot of work in the Victorian era. So we'll get onto her work a little later. But she told me that if, in its original era, the work that she's trying to recreate was done on a machine um, or in an analogue manner, then she does the same. So if it was done by hand, that's how she does it now for the movie, for authenticity. 
And if it was done digitally back in the day, on uh, you know on a letterpress or, or or whatever it was, not digitally, you know what I mean. If it was done on a computer or if it was done on a machine back then, then she follows in kind basically for both of those areas. So I found that quite interesting. You know, there's uh, there's a tendency to try and create like an ornate font these days. You'll see students going straight to font book or looking for a font that they're just you know if it's got a certain feel they'll just go with it without really researching the details of that and the nuances i'm going to be talking about that with an upcoming guest kim valsden uh, in a few weeks time kim's an awesome typographer we're going to be talking about the nitty-gritty of that world but yeah annie hit on the importance of, of retaining that and and following suit and i think that holds up uh, in today's world so if you need something to be printed and it needs to be tangible get the damn thing printed and do it well um, if it needs to be digital, then there's nothing wrong with that either, but just make sure it's got some soul and it's done properly. So both of those pointers tie to one, and that's courtesy of my two wonderful sponsors at heartinternet.co.uk and printed.com. Go and check them out for all your digital and printed needs. Uh, cheers for all that, guys. Also, a little thank you to the wonderful Association of Illustrators who have been doing a great job of supporting the show. Uh, we've got the World Illustration Awards exhibition coming up soon, later in the summer. That's going to be exciting. Um, and I'm actually in discussions with them as we speak to do a live Arrest Almanac. Can't quite reveal the guest that we've got lined up so far, but the wheels are in motion for that, so watch this space. Going to be a, a live on-stage conversation, so that's quite exciting. It's something to get my head around on the technical side of things, so let's hope I don't have a meltdown over that. <laughs> um, so yeah, like I said, some fantastic responses to shows recently, some real... Um, spikes in the numbers of people listening to the show lots of new people coming down on the twitter at arrest on the mix and letting me know their thoughts saying they enjoyed certain episodes they're pulling different quotes that inspired them moments it's exciting stuff and it means a lot so please do keep those coming keep uh, hitting me up and let me know what you think of any of the shows in the 76 strong archive i don't know how that happened but there you go i've been going now for over a year and a half and Wow, before we know it, we're going to be bearing down on the big 100, so I'm really going to have to pull a rabbit out of the hat for that one. So God knows what that's going to be, because we've had some pretty big names and some pretty impressive newcomers, so raising that bar. But anyway, without you guys, it wouldn't be possible, so thanks to all the regular listeners and welcome to any new guys. So today, we've got Annie Atkins coming up. If you don't know Annie Atkins, go and find out. There's lots of material out there on the web. She's quite a prolific speaker. Her work is out there for all to see. She's a graphic designer for film. So if you don't know what that means, that's fine. I didn't either um, until I started to look at what Annie was doing, how she does it. And was fortunate enough to meet her for the show. Um, So big hitting titles. She's worked on Bridge of Spies with Steven Spielberg. She worked on the Grand Budapest Hotel with Wes Anderson. Um, there's a lot of speaking about that, some great stories. It's a very visual film, so far more of the work makes it onto screen than it would normally, which she'll explain a little later on about what that exactly means. Um, Penny Dreadful, fantastic uh, series that was on, I want to say Sky Atlantic, correct me if I'm wrong, recently. Um, anyway... Either way, fantastic. Not got around to seeing the second series yet, but the first season was visually decadent. And 
Annie will go on to tell us about why a lot of her work never does actually make it onto camera, but the imperative importance of that for the actors to get into character, for example, to build, like I mentioned, that authenticity that's so important. If an actor doesn't feel connected with their role, there's the real danger of a house of cards effect. Uh, you know, if they're pissed off, it's going to filter through into crew and everything else. So whilst a lot of the graphic design she does is often either not noticed or never even on camera, it's hugely important to the success of a film. So she's an integral part of that setup. Uh, so it's fascinating stuff. It's anything from shop signage to menus to business cards to fake passports to um, scrolls. She had to work out neon signage for The Bridge of Spies. It was one of the more modern films in terms of the era it was set that she's worked on. So it's mind-blowing stuff. It's in-depth. There's a lot of organisation involved and a huge amount of pressure on every production. So it's not for everyone. And I headed over to Dublin after Annie kindly invited me for the show to sit at the back during her weekend workshops, which I must say are absolutely fantastic. Um, So she does a two-day workshop, and it's an introduction to graphic design for film for graphic designers and illustrators primarily. So if you've got an eye on film, it's a superb course to go and get a little taster of the work that Annie's done and to dip your toe in the water and find out just exactly what you're going to be getting yourself into and what that might entail and you get your hands dirty and start to you know have a go at making some of these fake documents and things like that in the company of Annie so it's it's awesome and I think there were 10 people on the course in her very homely studio which was wonderful and very warm setting very well decked out and I was a little gutted that I didn't I wasn't on the course, I wasn't staying in for the distance for the for the whole weekend. Um, but she was a lovely lady, and like I said, she kindly invited me over to sit at the back as a journalist and take some notes, and then we talked at lunchtime about her career and about her work in film. So I'm going to ask Annie what her favourite piece of work that never did make it onto film is. That's a nice answer from that one. I'm going to find out about her background, how she got into working in film in this way. Not a lot of people know that this happens and what she goes on to tell us a little later is that there are a lot of roles in graphic design for all the productions that you're watching, be it on Amazon Prime, Netflix, uh, Sky Atlantic, Fox, whatever whatever the production is, it's an increasingly important role in visual productions. So we'll get right under the skin of all of that stuff, but I do highly recommend Annie's course, so go and take a look at annieatkins.com, I believe the website is, if not just Google her and take a look if I've messed that one up, but Lovely lady, you can see why she's been so successful in film, very hardworking, very, very innovative and talented, so I hope you enjoy it, I hope you enjoy the conversation, so just a little thanks to Annie for her kindness in having me in at such a busy time, it was a pleasure to go to Dublin and meet her, um, nice one, it is a really nice one on the CV for me personally and for me professionally, so I hope you guys enjoy it too. Hit, up, hit me up with your feedback on the Twitter at Arrest on the Mix or hello at bentallon.com if you want to go a more personal route. Uh, so without further ado, here you go. Annie Atkins, graphic designer for film. So whereabouts in Wales are you from? I'm from a very small village in the Snowdonia National Park called Dolwadalan. Oh, okay. It's like 300 people. Yeah. It's, yeah. it's a little hamlet really, yeah. Oh. Are you a creative kid? Yes. Yeah, there wasn't an awful lot to do there growing up. Well, there was. Like, we played in the forests and the streams and stuff, you know. Me too. Uh, <laughs> but my dad was a graphic designer, my mum was an illustrator, 
and yeah, we spend a lot of time making stuff. Uh, yeah. Okay, so you didn't you never would have met any resistance then, because I know a lot of people do from parents and elders. No, I I was very lucky that way actually. Although of course I didn't know that I was lucky, but yeah, they always encouraged it definitely. Yeah. Um. But yeah, I guess there is resistance to, to art careers. I suppose the worry is that there's it's just such an in, unstable yeah. thing to do. It's intangible, isn't it? Yeah. I mean. The thing is with film is it's actually, like, it can be quite lucrative if you get the work because you work long hours, so you get paid decently for it. Um, But it's still always, like, worrying, like, you never know what your next job is going to be. Yeah. Um, But then I think careers in advertising can be pretty stable. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it's that agency environment, isn't it, where it's... It is a you know there are hours even though you might exceed those hours it's still that it's more describable you can explain that to someone who's not in our world yeah. and they might get that that's a position of employment with semi regular hours yeah yeah so yeah. You, what I found really interesting about what you said actually was that it was almost I like stories and a lot of stories that I talk to people about there's that, it's that dissatisfaction as a driver you mentioned about being in that world of advertising in your own path. Mm. and almost reaching so like you reached a point where you realised that wasn't for you in the long term was that a catalyst to your work in film? Yeah absolutely I mean I, I was working in advertising for years uh, first as a junior designer and then worked my way up to art director and at first I was really excited about it like really excited about it because I was only whatever I was 22 or something having just graduated and all of a sudden I was working in this big fancy office with lots of like black and red furniture everywhere, you know, and it yeah. seemed really cool at the time. <laughs> um, and, um, uh, yeah, I was really excited to be there, uh, but I just wasn't very good at advertising design or something, and I didn't like it because I wasn't very, wasn't very good at it. And also maybe um, I wasn't good at it because I didn't like it. I don't know which way around that goes. Um, but then I decided to leave for... Uh, an education in film, mm. uh, thinking that I would, you know, work as a camera operator or a screenwriter or something. But then, of course, once I studied film, this whole world of design opened up to me. And it, w- it wasn't design that I didn't like at mm-hmm. all. It was advertising, you know, but there's so many different paths in design. Yeah, yeah. it's the context it lives in, isn't it? But that, that is often the thing that you need to, like, I guess, connect your personality with or your draw your own inspirations. Mm. To a degree. Yeah. So and you said that um, you were, you, it was through your study, right, that you picked up your first position? Yeah, I, I studied at UCD in Dublin and uh, we did a module on production design and the designer from the Tudors, the TV show about Henry VIII, came in to work with us on a project and um, he told me that they were looking for assistance in the art department. So I went for the job interview with my portfolio And when they saw that I had this graphic design portfolio, they said, you know, we're actually looking for a full-time graphic designer at the moment, which was really strange to me because I couldn't understand why they'd need a graphic designer on a show set before graphic designers existed. Uh, But, like, just because there were no graphic designers in the court of Henry VIII doesn't mean there wasn't any graphic design. It's just that at that time it would have been created by the craftsmen. So... Uh, you know, like, 
it would have been the calligrapher who designed all the royal documents, um, and it would have been the glazier who designed all the stained glass. But today in film, we need a graphic designer on set to mm-hmm. to imitate what those people would have done. Yeah, and did the did the did you have a vision? Did you did the vision sort of fit what you might have imagined the the work, that job to be? I was really thrown in at the deep end because because I'd come from advertising where I worked digitally most of the time, all the time actually. Mm. Uh, I was really quite terrified at the prospect of designing things like stained glass and royal scrolls and <laughs> anything else with a feather quill. Um, but like you just have to learn really quickly and you don't know what your next film job is going to be. So you can't learn every skill set yeah. that you're going to need before you get the job. Um, you just have to have the confidence to give things a go. And that's what I have to do now on any film job I'm given. And it's always a little bit nerve-wracking at first. Unless you unless you kind of end up doing the same period over and over again. Yeah. Like, I've done a lot of Victorian stuff now. And um, so I can kind of pull a lot of stuff out of my back pocket for that. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and, uh, I mean, it sounds like you went in at a, a sort of good level. Um, I've had some... Many words to describe, but I've worked at the real mm. zero, you know, like minus budget end of things. And I took on a role as an art director for six weeks, and it was, but it was simultaneously the most challenging and rewarding thing that I'd done. Also, the most terrifying and blood pressure raising role mm. that I'd done because I was the runner. I was everything. I had yeah. to bring in a friend at last minute because I couldn't physically lift the filing cabinet, so I needed an assistant. Yeah. Um, do you think it's? Do you think that's something that's? got validity in terms of uh, an industry entrance, you know, a way to kind of take the hard knocks and learn the big picture. Yeah, I think it's great to go in, go in like at the bottom, like and have to do, have to do everything on a movie. Mm. Um, Like some, some of my students have made their own films and they've written, directed, shot them, done all the design, carried all the refrigerators around. Yeah. (laughs) Um, Yeah. I think it's really important to do that. Yeah. And what about ego? I mean, film famously is one of those worlds, maybe like fashion, where you will come across a lot of rich characters, different extremes. Is it important for, as someone, as a designer, in one of those more understated roles to leave ego at the door and kind of, you know, be tolerant? Yeah, if you can. Um, <laughs> it's, I, think, I think film sets are full of ego. Um, mm. I always find that uh, the film that I'm working on the crew end up kind of imitating the characters in the script somehow or appearing that they do. I remember when we worked on the Tudors, um, you know, and it was all these storylines about Henry VIII chopping his wife's heads off and killing his <laughs> friends. Um, there was a real tension on the set, you know, and all the crew members and the hierarchies in the art department, um, it all felt a bit, a bit dangerous, Yeah. Um, do you have to leave your ego at the door? Yeah, of course. I mean, especially making graphics for film because most of what we make is never ever seen, you know. Mm. It doesn't get any screen time, really. Uh, but that's okay. You know, that's the world we live in. Have you got a favourite... This is a question that's popped into my head this morning, actually, but have you got a favourite unseen design? Something um, you've done you're dead proud of, but no one will ever see that on the screen. Yeah, I do, actually. I was working on a Spielberg film a couple of years ago, Bridge of Spies. It's a true story, a Cold War spy thriller. Um, And there was one scene in a family home where uh, 
something's thrown through the window and the little boy is afraid and he hides underneath a book. And Spielberg requested that the book be a kind of a little boy's book of trucks, you know, different pictures of trucks and different Mm. vehicles. So I made a book called The Big Book of Wheeled and Winged Things. (laughs) And it was this kind of nice 1950s illustrated guide. Um, And I thought that was quite a charming piece. And it was nice to do something like that for Spielberg because, you know, Mm. he he loves those kind of nostalgic pieces. Yeah. Uh, But I don't think it's ever seen. Like, I think the little boy's hiding under it, but it's not lit, you know, it's too dark to see it. Yeah. But that's as we as you discussed in depth on your course, the importance of the unseen and given that the role is a lot about engaging with the actors mm. to make the film authentic, um, I guess there's a great risk of a domino effect if something is not if it doesn't achieve that. So if the actor, let's say, isn't fully in that world and, and they start to become agitated or whatever that might be, does that create a domino effect on the set? I think, I mean, it can do. I, I mean, that same film and that same character, actually, that little boy, there's also a scene uh, earlier on where he is discussing with his father, played by Tom Hanks, the effects of uh, the atomic bomb. And he's in the bathroom and he's got all these leaflets that were handed out about the bomb and he's terrified and um, Tom Hanks's character is trying to reassure him. So we made, like, fully formed leaflets and pamphlets and magazine articles about nuclear war so that the boy uh, who was playing the character could actually read them. And they were quite scary, like the writing in them was scary. Mm. Um, so, yeah, I do think that that in some way, in some small way, would have helped his performance, yeah. I think. Yeah. yeah. I hope. It's, I love that. I really love the detail. The famous one I always refer to is the one a lot of the rings when they designed all the armour on the inside of the, the... Sorry, the decor on the inside yeah. of the armour yeah. just to get those extras into that battle. I think that's just wonderful and that's what's beautiful yeah. about film, you know, that, that there's that level of care and attention to detail. Yeah. Yeah, it's pretty special stuff. So you worked on Penny Dreadful. I absolutely yeah. loved that show. Um, it reminded me, that was, was that Victorian era? Yeah, Victorian London, mm. yeah. So I'm from West Yorkshire originally, I'm from a stone throw from Haworth and there's always something going on on like Main Street film-wise and, mm-hmm. it, and it really brings in the community. Um, most recently the Bronte Sisters show that went out yeah. with New Year and then they built a whole separate parsonage up in the moors. Do you get interaction with local communities in, in respect of that? Do you, are you there on set often? Um, well, a lot of the time we go to locations like that because we want to use the beautiful old period buildings you know, in the background. Mm-hmm. Um, do I personally uh, go along? No, most of my work is done from the office um, on, on next to the set. Mm. Um, sometimes I will go down to the set uh, to look at something or to drop something off, but most mm. of the time I'm at my drawing board. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> you mentioned uh, Bridges Buys, uh, neon signage um, being... Was that a challenge at first? And then have you had sort of stand, any standout, real daunting challenges where you got the script and you realised what had to be done and thought, oh shit, <laughs> I've got some real schooling to do here to make this happen? Yeah, well, Bridge of Spies, I worked on with a graphic designer called Liliana Lambrieve, and she works in Berlin a lot. So she'd already done a lot of movies from that period. Uh, so she had a lot of experience with neon signage. Whereas I was coming from... Dublin, where we'd done a lot of like ye olde dramas, like Vikings, um, Camelot, Medieval, the Tudors, that kind of thing. 
Um, so I had that experience. Um, I, do remember, I remember one day on that set, somebody asking me if, uh, if I had any bullet holes. And I was like, do I have any bullet holes? What do you mean? <laughs> and I remember Lily saying, oh, I have loads of bullet holes. We can do those later. And it turns out that in Berlin, when they're making these movies, they quite often show walls covered in bullet holes. And they're basically just little black dots printed on acetate that they stick up onto oh, the walls wow. of buildings, you know? Uh, <laughs> whereas, like, I have more experience with, like, putting graphics on, like, horse-drawn carriages, you know, yeah. because that's the kind of film we make in Dublin. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> that's fact that the bullet hole has done me. That's brilliant. Yeah. <laughs> um, the research side of things is huge, of course. Um, and it's so important to get off Google, right? To sort of go and, to go and find things, get hold physical things. Mm. Is that something you advocate people getting into the practice of quick, as in when people are studying? Is it important to become accustomed to that? Yeah, definitely. I mean, you're creating things, you're creating tactile things for a three-dimensional world. Like, So you have to start by looking at tactile pieces it's really difficult to look at something online, like a telegram, for example, and be able to judge the, sc- the scale of that telegram um, oh. without seeing one in front of you. Also, things like the texture of the paper, they're important things to get right to, and they don't always show up in scans and mm-hmm. photos of things online. Yes. There's a beautiful quote There's from Rick Carter, a um, production designer, obviously, and he said, it's like a magician's illusion. So if you, you got, you, you know, the viewer is staring right at your work as a graphic designer for film or a production designer, but if, if they're aware of it, they've not suspended their disbelief yeah. successfully. Yeah. Um, at, what point do you, at what point do you arrive at a conclusion and with whom that that's been achieved? So with the director or who signs that off as, right, that's, that's, that's good to go for camera? Uh, you sh- the the director yeah. ultimately the director yeah. yeah I mean you'll also talk about things with the prop master the set decorator the art director the production designer um, but ultimately it's the director's decision to shoot on anything mm-hmm. um, I don't think I ever really know until I see the movie you know yeah. um, and yes if a graphic jumps out at me then I know I've done it wrong <laughs> um, uh, yeah the more detail you go into and the more authentic something feels then the more invisible it becomes which yeah. is Good. Yeah, yeah, of course. As a, um, as a big fan of Wes Anderson's work and as an illustrator slash designer, um, there's this whole kind of army of people out there who salivate over his colour palettes. Mm. What stage, and Grand Budapest or even any of Wes's films, what, I mean, in your experience, did you, are you allowed into his mind to that end? Is, is the colour palette something that's established early in the production? Yeah, I mean, he talked a lot about the colours earlier on and um, they changed throughout the the initial uh, prep on Grand Budapest. Um, but absolutely, it came from him, absolutely. Like, he's an auteur director. He's, he's the artist. Mm. Um, and I was really one of his technicians, you know. Um, but, yeah, I remember I remember the day the production designer came into the office and said change the colours. I'd been working on the carpets at the time and he was like, no, the new colours are red, purple, it's gold and, um, you know, this beautiful colour palette emerged from it. And it was like, it wasn't, really wasn't until I saw the movie that I understood how that was all going to work. And uh, is it, it, how important is it for you to be able to articulate your visions kind of clearly and succinctly 
to the director. I guess that's a big part of your role. Oh yeah, huge part. And y- I, you do it by by creating things rather than talking about them. Yeah. So I'll show Wes like maybe like ten passes at any given piece until he's happy with it. Yeah. And we'll keep changing it and evolving it and looking at references as well and. Yeah. Wes sending us references and us sending him references and picking out things that he wants to see in his piece. Mm. And in terms of being meticulous or prescriptive, I, I read a nice thing about J.K. Rowling um, providing Stuart Craig with a, a map of Hogwarts. Did it, you know, there and then, top of her head, knew the, her whole world meticulously. Yeah. And he said he carried that thing around in his pocket for 10 years whilst they were shooting all the Harry Potter films. Do you come across, uh, does that vary between? directors you know some does some give you much more of a creative lead do others lay things out for you yeah sure I mean Wes is meticulous but he's also really experimental so there's a lot of experimenting and back and forth um and things evolving and then other directors like you wouldn't have any contact with at all really especially if you're working on a tv show because the director changes every few episodes Uh, so you might work with three or four directors on any given show um, so then the design is really, the aesthetic really comes from the art department in that case. Um, yeah, it really varies from director to director. Mm. Yeah. Let's just talk about the course briefly, because it's, I mean, I think it's wonderful. Like the mood, everything about this is, is, is brilliant. Like it, it feels more than a course, you know, it feels like you're a part of something. Great. Um, what can, you know, what can people get from, from your course and, and what, you know, how, how would you sort of describe that you know how would you sum it up well it's a two-day weekend workshop and I cannot teach everybody every skill they need for film in two days it's impossible Mm -hmm. but what I do try to do and what I hope I succeed in is I teach people the confidence to try new things and to also get a little bit of an introduction into the world of film and to leave the course understanding how to get into the industry so we always wrap things up by um, looking at actually applying for jobs and how best mm. to develop your portfolio. Yeah, as you, you mentioned that non, you know, everything you would watch on Netflix, there are two graphic designers working upon. You, many people don't realise that, do they? I mean, no. you know, that's, yeah. that's the thing. What would you suggest in respect of someone who has no industry connections that might want to go and work in that world? Um, this is what I develop over the weekend with my students and we look at how to actually design and make and finish props and photograph them properly and put them into a portfolio so that they will appeal Mm -hmm. to art directors in film. So I try to get people away from working digitally, um, and actually working tactilely and, uh, you know, actually, uh, sewing and stitching and binding and stamping mm. and printing and perforating yeah. Uh, so that we can make things that are going to feel right in an actor's hands and look right on a screen. Yeah, yeah. brilliant. As far as reaching out, are there, are there any are there places? What would you? Is it a case of doing your homework and finding out who the people are and who you need to connect with? Yeah, I mean, I recommend if you don't have any experience in film that you go in as an intern. Yeah. And to do that, you need a good portfolio. And um, I would really recommend just applying to your local TV studios. Mm-hmm. You know, you don't need to move to Hollywood. No. <laughs> God, yeah. no. Not these days either. There's so much going on. Like, we made Penny Dreadful just around the corner in, like, County Wicklow. Yeah. Uh, 
yeah, so to get, get a foot in the door with an internship and then once you're there, make yourself indispensable. Yeah. And then you get hired. Yeah. <laughs> so moving forward, do you have a, do you have any burning ambitions, bucket list kind of productions you'd like to work on? Um I used to think that I wanted to do something futuristic, but then I started work on a spaceship movie and I realized that I didn't like futurism actually. <laughs> um what would I like to do? Um, uh, I think I get. It would be nice to work on a Tim Burton movie, maybe. Wow, there's God, always yeah. beautiful, beautiful set design and graphics in those films. Yeah. Yeah, incredible talent. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Uh, and the last bit that I always ask my guests, uh, I call this section the shark in the tank because it's such a love-hate piece of art and I ask them for a sort of love and a hate or a positive and a negative within their world. Mm. Is there any, any things to that extreme that jump out? Okay, well, <laughs> you know, I always say that like one of my favourite things about working film is like working with tactile objects and getting to actually make things, you know. Yeah. But honestly... When I'm actually working on a job, it's really time-consuming and I get really frustrated with it. So, you know, I look, I look at this with all this stuff with rose-tinted glasses when I'm between yeah. movies. Yeah. yeah. So it's a positive and a negative. There you go. I love the double answer. You've got a few of those. They're really good. <laughs> actually, one very last thing before I go. I'm going to let you have your lunch now. But um, what would you say to someone who's looking at a film and seeing it in that very idyllic way that we like to look at a film and think... You know, it's going to be that dream job. It's going to be incredible, and that's not to say that it's not. But you know, like the world, it's very much the rose-tinted view of it. Yeah. You, the minute you kind of go that far off what you see on camera, like you said, there are cameras, there are North Face jackets, yeah. styrofoam coffee. Yeah. Is it important to understand that before yeah. you enter the industry? Absolutely. Like it's a lot of work. It's high-pressure environments. It's very, very long hours. It's grueling. And as one art director described it once, you're basically making all the stuff that everybody sees and nobody gives a shit about. <laughs> like, <laughs> so. Yes, perfect. <laughs> well, that's wonderful. Thank you so much for your time, Annie. Thank you. Thanks again to Annie for being so accommodating and having me in at such a busy time of a workshop on the weekend. She's a busy lady, as you can imagine. So it does mean a lot, and I really appreciate that. So it was a real pleasure, like I say, to sit in on the course, and I do do highly recommend it. Um, it's a great kind of intro to that world of film um, that seems so seductive, but as I, you know, that's the reason I wanted to ask Annie about the reality of it a little bit there at the end, because I know there's the tendency to sit and watch, you know, whatever film it is, whatever epic you're watching. And believe that if you're working on that production, that's the world you're in when, as she says on the course, um, the reality is when you come a few yards off the camera, what the camera's seeing, it's going to be full of people with styrofoam cups of coffee and North Face jackets, you know, freezing their tits off for 10 hours, 14 hours, 16 hours, 24 hours. Uh, I spoke to a lot of people who work on film productions and 24-hour shifts are not uncommon, so know what you're getting yourself into. But if you reckon you're up to the challenge, do go and check it out and there's no better starting point than Annie's course. So there you go. I hope you enjoyed that one. Um, Go back and check out the recent episodes as well. Not just Annie, we've got Sir John Hegarty, a creative legend with 50 years' experience telling us about creativity, how he sees it, the foundations of that very thing that underpins all the work we're doing in this industry. So go back and have a look at that one. Claudine O'Sullivan, 
She's a must-listen also to John's one year. She's got about, sorry, to John's 50 years. She's got like one year's experience under her belt. But that did not stop her from scooping the Advertising Award at the World Illustration Awards 2017 for her Apple Pencil campaign illustrations, which are absolutely beautiful and incredible. And she's a lovely lady, so go back and listen to that show, which was massively popular. Um, Unsurprisingly, but it's always lovely when uh, you do see the numbers racking up. We've got loads of awesome guests coming up for you. We've got BuzzFeed illustrator Rebecca Hendon. We've got Marianne Deschars, illustrator extraordinaire, children's book author. We've got Craig Black coming down from Glasgow to talk to me. Awesome graphic designer working typographically, but across lots of different crafts and mediums. We've got Steve Johnson, superb fashion and lifestyle illustrator too, who's going to be talking to me also. So it's all going on. It's all coming up. Who do you want to hear from? Please let me know. Let me know if you want to be on the show and why you should. And chances are I will take that credibly because that's what's happened with a lot of guests in the past. But not enough people do suggest themselves or put themselves forward. So be confident in what you're doing and come and talk to me. If it's decent, I will have you on. I've ambushed a number of students who've popped by the studio um, to have a conversation with me. Hazel Mead, for one, uh, recently. Actually, congrats to Hazel, who graduated with a first from Coventry very recently in fine art and illustration. Top last top attitude, no surprise to see, but I had her on the show when she just popped by the studio to have a little nosy at what I was up to and where I did my work, essentially. And I was like, do you know what? This conversation is pretty good, so let's stick a mic down and do it. And she was up for it, and it paid off. So there you go. Get me your suggestions in. At the rest of the mix on the Twitter. Hello at bentallon.com on the email. Uh, like I say, feedback is paramount. Do let me know what you're feeling. Uh, drop us a review, please. If you get a moment, go on the iTunes. It's really important and it's really valuable and it only takes a couple of minutes. If you like what I'm doing on the show, please do take the time to go and do that. Um, on the right in front, I'm deep, in, I'm deep into book two at the minute. Man, I'm writing a lot. Um, if you haven't yet checked it out, little little selfish plug for myself here, but do go and read Champagne and Wax Crayons, my debut book. It's about the nitty-gritty and the reality of setting up a, a life as a creative freelancer, so do go and read that. Um, I'm working hard on the follow-up at the, at the minute, which is all about that crucial symbiotic relationship between personality and creative style, so watch this space for that. So if you like this show, do go and check out Champagne and Wax Crayons, or you can read my Design Week column also over at designweek.co.uk, freelance state of mind. But that's enough cheap plugs. Thanks again to my sponsors, illustrationweb.com, heartinternet.co.uk, and printed.com for all printed goods. Cheers, guys. It means a lot. Keeps the show free every week. Thanks again for listening. Uh, Keep coming back. Please do spread the word. Tell your mates if you like the show. Free to download, free to subscribe every single week. Thanks, guys. means a lot. I hope you enjoyed Annie Atkins today. Thanks again. Annie, for taking the time to let me come and sit at the back of your wonderful workshop. And I'll speak to you all very, very soon. Cheers, guys. Stay creative. See you later.